0: Josh, and I'm back with Carnifex. How are you going, Carnifex?
1: Yeah, pretty good.
0: Good on you, mate. Uh, yeah, I was talking to John Johnny Watson today. I think it was Johnny Watson talking about you and um, what you look like. And I said, I don't know. I've never met uh, Carnifex in person. He could be a living Carnifex living in Sydney, Australia. We have no idea. We don't know the identity of Carnifex. Carnifex, what
1: imagine, <laughs> imagine like a Sasquatch in a wife beater. <laughs>
0: Yeah, wow, that's quite an
1: evocative image. Okay, well, yeah, leave, leave it with us, mate. Then we'll, we'll have to get someone Yeah, if you, if you ever watch the YouTube uh cartoon called The Big Lez Show, I look like one of the Sasquatches in that, but like always wearing a singlet, like uh Onslow from Keeping Up Appearances. Ah, right, <laughs> nice, nice. Okay, so hairy a- and large, yeah. If okay. I, I wish I had four scythe arms. That'd be great.
0: <laughs> you need some big like a like, deal with people like, a lot big, more big tat like sailor tats like the you know the big anchor on the <sighs> arm kind of thing. I,
1: I I have a small one, and the tattooist who did it, he complained that uh he wasn't getting to use the whole like you know canvas. He was yeah. quite quite angry that I just wanted a tiny little tattoo. Yeah, I annoyed him, but you know. <laughs>
0: you've, got, you've got to wear the Stanley like the blue Stanley um, singlet and have oh, the, totally the yeah hair, the overgrown hair like sprouting up from underneath the singlet from from underneath you, you know, like
1: my beard's neckline. out of control I can tell you that and much neck
0: beard. you need a neck beard that's what you need
1: <laughs> I try not to but yeah <laughs> gotta get into the spirit of gaming yeah
0: and the hair growing on the back mate on your back oh yeah it was terrible I'm you know, getting as you're getting older, you get more hair in places where you've never sort of discovered it before, and
1: uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit of an family. ogrefication. It is. Yeah,
0: it's. Uh... Yeah, we're
1: all becoming uh, ogres, basically, in trolls.
0: <laughs> indeed, indeed. All right, my good sir, what's been <laughs> happening this week?
1: Um, I guess one thing I neglected to really go over last time was um, how much really, really good terrain people have been making. Um, So, for example, Magnus Stillman, uh, he's been making these really, really cool hedgerows, and the guys are using all all kinds of, like, um, different flocks, and they're more in line with what we used to see in really early white dwarfs and that sort of old hammer flock. They're not as grainy and, and sawdusty as a sort of light later nineties flocks, which I'm going to have to look into what they're using because I really like it. It's really nice green, like anywhere from olive to emerald green color. It's perfect. And, uh, Magnus has been making like a castle out of some kind of, uh, like different foams and things. And it, it looks great so far. I'm really impressed. Um, The other guys have been working on a multitude of things, like Covering Fire or Ted. He's been making those awesome second edition spiky spiky cactus, which um, the spikers, I think, were from Rogue Trader, and they did horrible things. If you played with them in Rogue Trader, they'd literally fire like spikes out at you. And I have a feeling that they might have even like sort of zombified you or something like that. Um, I'd have to go back and read the rules. It's a bit hazy. But so, someone's probably listening to this and going, no, you idiot, they did this, um, which is fair enough. But they, for me, the spiker cactus is one of those uh, penultimate second edition terrain things, and you see them over everyone's videos and everyone's boards. I have been slack. I haven't made any yet. So when I see everybody else making them, it's kind of like, it's inspiring because everyone has a different style to do it, but they all look cra- like they're cracking. They look great. Um, Joseph Justice actually showed off his gaming room and he has this really cool gaming table with like modular um, pieces so you can move it. So there's roads and rivers and stuff like that. These little display cabinet and shelves at, are- it, it looks perfect uh, what can i say better than anything i've got at the moment my room still looks like a, a back order bin for like games workshop at the moment so i gotta be very careful yeah. um there have been lots of discussions about how to make um card model kits um out of the magazines and boxes that like gw used to sell or put in white dwarf mm-hmm. um Snerb had like a really cool picture where He's cut out all of these different parts for old fantasy buildings out of different materials like plastics and foams and, and stuff like that, uh, like all from craft stores. And, yeah, it's really cool. Um, some of the guys are really talented at putting this sort of stuff together. Obviously, you mentioned uh, Marcel's building um, that he'd been working on for ages when you guys went over his favorite white dwarf. Um, that was really cool to see. You know, there's Warhammer Fantasy House kits were excellent
0: yeah Isn't i just it? noticed that because that was something yeah. like a re- revelation to me because i've never seen these before but they were available some- at some point in the 90s i'm thinking it was like available everywhere not just the uk but the states or whatever but yeah you could buy like a pre-formed kit and it came with i assume uh like high, dem- high density cardboard and they've just got like some kind of cutter to stencil out the Uh, The shapes and overlays of the exterior parts of the building, interior parts, and you'd just glue it all together. Um, So that's a really ingenious way of doing it. I've never seen them before, so I was really interested coming across this uh, post that SNEP put up um, on the terrain section here on the terrain channel.
1: Pretty cool. Yeah. I'm impressed. I'm, I'm. It's funny because I go on and on and, and I'm pretty positive about stuff, but I'm just continuously um sort of delighted at the stuff I see on Discord. So I'm really chuffed. Everyone, everyone um uh, contributes some really cool stuff. It's great to see. Mm-hmm. Even um like Suno posted up. Uh, it's a, a like a model tree called a. I think it's I don't know how to pronounce it, but Heki H E K I. And, um, I know Marcel mentioned they're pretty expensive, but I've never actually seen one before, but with sort of, um, a large tree and the leaves kind of look like they're made out of a lichen or something. But for me, the major thing about it was you could put models around the base of a tree. When I was a kid and I bought hobby trees, um, you couldn't put any models around the base of them um the the trunk of it had like sort of like a bit of material around it to look like wood and then they were like a coiled metal wire and then they went into like a lead or pewter base and um yeah there was no room for anything to fit under those so to see those hecky trees that they're pretty big and large Mm -hmm. um a lot of people have been making sort of rocky out outcrops um covering fire ted again making ones that look really natural um they look like actual rock um he's made all sorts of like rocky terrain he had a picture with some night lords in amongst it and they look look fantastic Uh, really cool to see and especially when uh he made like a troll sort of cave or den and he's got, like, a little fantasy background and, like, he's trolls in front of it and a shaman and some huts that he made in the background. Ah, uh, they're so
2: cool. <laughs>
0: yeah, actually, that picture there reminds me of the 5th edition uh, Idol of Gore campaign where there's a, there's oh. one scenario where you had all these Orc huts and you had – it's in troll country, basically, and you had a whole of trolls that would come out of these rocky outcrops uh, around and the, the Empire – they'd be like and I think historically they had like oh, something like ridiculous like something like 30 arches or something uh, and I can't remember exactly the rules I did play it once with Wellington uh, years ago it was a really fun adventure but yeah I know it included stone trolls because all the stone, stony outcrops and you had like little uh, huts and that kind of thing and the Empire were basically trying to burn down and destroy your huts and if they, if they destroyed all the huts they would win the scenario it was a really good one
1: that's so cool. <laughs> Did you, I don't know if you w- would have seen it um, at the moment, but Clem's been working on one of those Warhammer Townscape, the Watermill, and, uh, man, that's a that's a big building. Um, I haven't seen any updates yet, but um, from what I saw, it looked pretty cool. It'll make an excellent uh, board piece once it's complete. <laughs> ah,
0: yes, I have seen that. Yes, yes, yes. So he's, and I think the other guys, I think he actually has the originals
1: um that's so cool townscape
0: sets yeah so that's awesome isn't
1: it wow Um, yeah really uh there's some fantastic stuff in the terrain and like you've mentioned before it's a big it's a big part of the hobby and some people find it pretty relaxing to make uh terrain um yeah it's when you pull it off and and you're satisfied with it yeah that kicks ass yeah
0: Um, whiskey and wizards actually having a go at those as well and He's made yep. some rocky outcrops as well. So, look, it looks like ro- rocky outcrops are just, like, the, the trend at the moment. Everyone's doing a ro- rocky outcrop at the moment.
1: Oh, yeah. And <laughs> what what gets me is, like, they look so natural. Um, the other thing that um, looks really good to me that I never pulled off as a kid because I never got one of those heated wire cutter things. I know even Ken's workshop Shop uh, sold one of those. So I remember that. Yep. But, um, yeah, these days, like... <sighs> Back in the day, I used to make terrain out of polystyrene and it sucked. Um, I never had access to that refrigeration foam, that really hard styrene stuff. Mm -hmm. And you see guys in the terrain section on our Discord making um, sort of landscaped rock uh, cliffs and things like that with those heated cutters. And they make such like organic shapes. And then when they paint it or airbrush it or whatever they do, it looks really, really good. Uh, like i'd pay money for that sort of stuff mm. um lately i bought terrain which was it's those like terrain in a box so i i, I don't know if that's the brand or, or whatever and their stuff batter, looks really good a but it's in the box is it battlefield in the yeah box? yeah that's the one is yeah, it, yeah. I, I i and i don't even know if they make half their stuff anymore i managed to get a few boxes of it it's all set, sold out in australia um and the stuff is great and you can plonk it down onto a battlefield, it's got like a felt bottom under under it, but you're paying so much money for a couple of rocks yeah, with yeah. like, you know, expanded or whatever. It's brilliant because you can plonk it down straight away. But um if you're smart, you can get some hard siren off eBay or an art store and go for your life. And it'll it'll keep yeah. you busy too, and you won't get into trouble. It's funny, um, it's
0: funny that you mentioned the wire cutter because a mate of mine, because um, I asked if I could borrow his, and I did it for some terrain at some point. But I realised that once I used that that sort of uh, insulation foam, that really high density stuff, I couldn't use that wire cutter anyway. So I had to use everything with a with a knife and like just cutting, carving, and out that without thing. So I never actually got to use much of it, mate. Do you want to be honest? But for the softer stuff, for the softer, more less dense. Uh, uh, polystyrene yeah for those kind of sheets it's beautiful to work with one of those um, those wire cutters because it cuts it gives that beautiful nice clean cut finish uh, that you just can't attain with uh, with a knife you can do it with a with a with some sandpaper and just sort of sand it down to you know to make it look really smooth but um, that's a good point yeah they did actually make one didn't they games workshop actually had their own yeah Yep.
1: I never bought one, but I was very tempted to. <laughs> yeah,
0: mate. And actually, yeah, I remember buying the, as um, yes, we're doing a bit of a terrain topic, I actually re- remember buying the Gangs Workshop Hills. They actually had those plastic, they're like a plastic preformed hill and it was flocked with that sort of furry kind of flock. Yep. And I bought the mat and everything like that. I actually bought it for Confrontation back in the day when I was playing that. And made myself a little, you know, uh, I think back a three by four board or something like that with it. But they're really—it's—it's it's the price you pay for a convenience, like the battle uh, battlefield in the box. It's that price you pay for convenience. That you know, no mess, no materials, all that time you know yep. saved, and you have got all that in a box. It's all and painted. I, I, yeah, like I say, mate. I don't know if they actually produce that stuff anymore. And and I was just watching that um, Dice Hammer, the German guys playing Second Edition, and they're using some yep. of that stuff as well. So. Mate, they sold a
1: bucket load of it, I think, when they were around in the heyday. Yeah, I mean, that's a good segue because I've been watching heaps and heaps of um, like different YouTubers' um, Battlefield, like 40K Battle Reports, and the Dice Hammer guys, they've sort of come to... Um, a close with their campaign, the Elder uh, versus Zinch where the last episode. I won't spoil it for anyone who hasn't watched it. Mm. And then um, after that match, they're going to follow up and do a few, like, sort of favorites battles, things like Blood Angels versus Tyranids and things like that. And they've got... Um, they had a bit of a disaster with their battle bunker. It flooded, apparently. Um, oh. So they had a few weeks off, but they've come back, and I hope it wasn't too much of a disaster for them. But, um, yeah, they, they use a, a big uh, array of terrain, everything from handmade stuff that looks like it's been made out of, you know, like a cardboard packing insert, and they're painted, et cetera, to some of the more modern um, maybe Age of Sigma or uh, Kill Team 40K stuff like Chaos trees and Eldar ruins and um just goes to show like um how inventive some people are on filling a uh table with terrain and then I'm watching um Bring in Battle Wargaming. Um and as usual they use like a really nice um sort of uh, one of those roll up uh, battle mats. Yeah. I can't remember the stuff they're made out of. It's like mouse pad material. Mm-hmm. Um and then they use like all this really cool painted terrain, and they got painted miniatures, and everyone's got their own style, uh, and and trying to work out their own style. Um, and it's been really fun to watch so many people get back into older games. Um, even on our Discord, people are getting uh, playing a few games of things like Third Edition Warhammer. Um, I saw <laughs> I saw a pretty pretty cool game of. Or some shots that Clem put up of Orcs and Goblins versus, yeah. I, I think, maybe Empire. I'm a bit of a Warhammer noob, but, um, geez, man, like, really cool models. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome to see. Awesome stuff to see. And then a lot of people have been getting uh, into casual games of Milton Bradley stuff, like Heroes Quest, Battle Masters, things like that, yeah. um, between mates or family. Mm. and it's really cool to see that.
0: Oh, mate, I miss HeroQuest now. Marcel, come on, get this HeroQuest thing back on because I miss the last couple, I think, uh, unfortunately, so I really like to want, want to go back and jump into HeroQuest again and and play it again. But um, just a quick shout-out to and also in the terrain because I was just scrolling up, and I saw this really wonderful-looking, and maybe you've already mentioned it, kind of Effect. Sorry if you have, mate, but there's a farmhouse here by Alex, and it's absolutely no. awesome. Uh, really impressed. Now I, I presume that he's actually made it, uh, or he he it may be something that he's bought. But it looks by by the tiles also like he's actually made it. Uh, the tile that like the roof tiles that is. Um, so Alex, if you made that that uh, farmer house mate? That's brilliant. Really well done. And I just noticed his profile pic because it looked like the design of this figure that he has on now looked very familiar, and it's a Celt barbarian. So. Nice nod to the confrontation line, mate. They made some beautiful barbarians back then, so... Yeah, Alex, really good job, mate. And, um, hope to see more of that terrain. And, um, and if you've seen our battle reports, you've probably seen Joe Guardsman's, uh, bridge that we... that he's made from, like, you know, photocopying out the coloured templates of the cardstock and then, uh, gluing that to, uh, painfully... <laughs> painstakingly, I should say, to, um... Uh, Like foam core and putting that together. We've used it a couple times, it's a really, really nice bridge. So, that's another nice alternative. You know, finding the old scans from the fifth edition campaign uh, packs and then making your own terrain out of that to give that sort of nostalgic effect, obviously, and to you know, build some really nice, uh, much more sturdier terrain than they were just in their cardboard form because the cardboard stuff is very flimsy but with some cardstock behind it. It
1: makes it really durable terrain. Sorry, mate. What, what it really are you next? does. Ah, <laughs> no, no, terrain to death. There, so <laughs> I
0: think we're out of terrain.
1: Yeah, I mean, the only thing I'll mention is that um, uh, I've said this before. Minnesota Ed did that uh, video um, a while ago, which all of his stuff's back up now. Where um, he sort of rescued the old second Ed's um, box set, uh, terrain and, and fluff them up a bit, like by gluing them onto cardstock and stuff like that. And I saw on one of the Facebook groups, I think it was a second edition 40 K one. I could be wrong, but, um, one of the guys made sort of PDF cover, um, printouts for all of that ruins so that people could just sort of uh, print them out, cut them up and then, you know, um, try and try and make them that way so yeah it's a it's a, it's a good way to sort of um revitalize old cardstock terrain um some people go so far as uh buying mint un like unpunched out um ruins and and putting them in a photo um or painting f- uh yeah like putting them in a frame basically with a glass cover on them and hanging them on the wall <laughs> yeah, <I laughs> which saw is pretty cool.
0: <laughs> that's You're great. Right. i guess I mean, it, I mean i thought
1: you, you know some me. you know how some people are <laughs> yeah some people are obsessed with like empty boxes right but yeah well, i was gonna say you I'm, know
0: i'm sort of i'm sort of uh nailing them to the to my wall as some kind of uh, you know gallery of um you know hearing yeah. a kind of you know nostalgia but boy oh boy like framing like cardstock in a in a picture frame that's really going to the next level
1: so, yeah. It really is. Yeah. That's
0: great.
1: Um as, as usual, there's been some fantastic painted miniatures by people like Whiskey and Wizards and mm-hmm. um yeah. uh you know, uh, even uh Locano uh he he mm. put up a picture of like um it's I think it was like Hob- Hobgoblins and, and Chaos Wars and Um, he's got a really cool fantasy background or painting and then some terrain and it's all these hobgoblins on walls and um, chaos dwarves and a big cannon and things like that. Um, It must sound like I'm obsessed with chaos dwarves, but um, I I really like seeing them painted up and on the table, even though I don't play Warhammer. I think they're just one of those unique armies. Um, I'm sure – you saw the picture of Joe Guardsman's um, Dark Elves with the big purple evil dragon and some cold Run riders oh, yeah. and yeah, took, parties I took, and I, I took
0: that photo because so me cool. and Paul played that big game. Now, oh. that, that's a game that... Actually, that segues perfectly in what we just, just talked about before. Um, and um, there is a video coming. Probably I'll probably release it next weekend. Uh, that's the big four-way battle. It's like an 8K game, basically, of one of fantasy. We use the Flail of Skulls. Uh, Homebrew rules again as well for fifth edition, which we seem to like. And people might be asking Josh, why why aren't you just playing fifth straight fifth edition? And the the I think the idea behind the flail skulls and what you know Warhammer Renaissance brings is a sort of a compromise to uh, people who have never never played fifth edition but are very familiar with sixth and up to eighth edition Warhammer. And it sort of brings that nice kind of compromise and balance between their familiarity between certain units and uh, certain costings of, of units and certain abilities that units could do in later editions but they can't do in 5th edition. So uh, with the, guy, the guys I'm gaming with, you know, they're about 10 years younger than me, they've never played 5th edition before. So it was a nice way of getting them into fifth edition, playing the magic system, the cards that I love to play with uh, with magic and everything. So it's got all those familiar cues and hallmarks to the older editions, but it's got a sort of a fresh take on on the rules and that kind of thing. But that that'll be dropping next uh, next weekend. But the um, thing I saw in the card effect before we started recording was that you know I dropped a few f bombs. During the video, and probably at the end, I, I, I streamed up a whole, you know, this whole string of F-bombs, but at the end, and it sort of came up with this um, the dilemma of, you know, whether people were offended by swearing, but I wasn't doing it in a sort of an angry way, I was like just joking around and having fun, and the other guys were sort of pissing themselves laughing and that kind of thing, but... Yeah, I mean, if you have if you have an issue with language, like foul language on the videos, please let me know. I've hadn't haven't had one person complain about it. Um, so if but if that's an issue that's detracting you or just spoiling your enjoyment of the videos, please let me know. Um, because if that's that's an issue for for a majority of people, then um, I will, uh, we will we will clean up our act. But um, You know, I I, I do it with the guys just with a bit of friendly banter, and we have we have a good time having fun. There's nothing we we never curse in sort of in um, in anger kind of thing. You know what I mean? I don't say ah you effing da 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 or nothing like that ever. It's just usually me and the dice. That's the big problem I have with dice. It's like the the dice never work the way I want them to. (laughs) It's always a dice. It's always a dice's problem. But, um, yeah, but hopefully you guys will w- uh, enjoy that. And uh, as we, we really enjoy playing that game, we had a great day. Um, so, yeah, look out for that one.
1: Man, you, you posted up some cracker photos, like your High Elves and, and Wellington's oh. Dark Elves and Justin's Wood Elves and yeah. stuff. Like, really beautiful pigs, man. Really I mean, nice. I'm
0: in, I'm in Hobby Heaven. Beautiful I'm models, you. Got, you know, three great friends that I get to game with playing these older editions but with a slight, you know, modern tweak to them. So, you know I'm in, I'm in, you know, I'm in heaven, really. I mean, this is, I was saying to uh, Johnny Watson, I was talking to Johnny Watson uh, today too, uh, shout out to him and his channel, Johnny Watson Gaming. So there'll be an interview coming up soon. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm playing more games now than I ever did back in the 90s. You know what I mean? I'm having more fun now than I ever did back in those days. So, yeah. Mate, so it's really good. been a great ride, mate, and good. So we just need to get you and me on a table playing 40K second edition at some point, mate. My orcs against your uh, tyranids.
1: Yeah, I might have to um, now that Japan's reopening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just like get some sort of special suitcase for some models and chuck them in and, and come visit. Maybe we'll
0: <laughs> see what you look like. That's the thing. We've got we to take photos and uh, do it like a
1: <laughs> probably won't even fit through the door <laughs> <photo> frame.
0: Analysis. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, do one of those like um, old sort of uh, games workshop uh, diagrams or like a body on a slab kind of thing, yeah. like with strange <laughs> And, it's
0: like with those alien yeah. topsy type things, like those kind of videos. We'll do one of those when you're sleeping,
1: and uh, yeah. Or one of the, um, you know, Roald Dahl. He had the book The Twits, and he's got the picture of um, Mr. Twit's uh, beard and all the things in the beard, like bits of sardine and stuff. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Classic. Classic. I look forward to that. That would be awesome. We'll have some beers, and um, you can swear as much as you like, and I'll do too at the dice.
1: Oh, well, yeah, we'll have to get a bleep bleep machine yeah, or something. Bleep machine, that might be good.
0: Yeah. yeah. It sort of spoils the fun, though. Yeah, I don't know.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> but anyhow, but on this, this oh. now, just talking about the the future of the Chronic of Command podcast, we're sort of going into different directions here because I want to get the community more involved and I'm going to get more segments that the community are actually making and sending to me. So kindly, Marcel and um, GJ. It's Hertien uh, in the in the Netherlands. Have sat down and talked about the Crown of Command, uh, sorry, the Call of the Crown painting challenge too. So Marcel interviewed him about that, which is great, and um, I hope you enjoy listening to that. We're going to talk to um, Garth uh, about the Bring Out Your Lead 2022, about what happened there on that day. So thanks, Garth, for sitting down with me, mate, for about 30 minutes talking about that. And then um, uh, Paul, my good mate Paul, uh, is going to talk about uh, the differences between 5th edition and 6th edition. So for 6th edition players wanting to jump back uh, in time to play 5th edition, uh, what are the notable differences? Now, you'll notice that Paul will make a reference to 2021. Uh, Paul does know what that it is 2022, but he actually recorded it on December 31st on 2021. So just in case people are wondering about that, uh, that's why. So, um, But yeah, look forward <laughs> to uh, having more contributions from the community, even yourself, affect if you're going to do it... Uh, sit down with um what's the guy's name again shaggy dog brandy dog oh brandy dog, Brand yep. dog yeah yeah and um and and your mates there playing second edition that'll be awesome so yeah look forward to the, more of those i think uh chris is going to do some more stuff as well with why quest and that kind of thing so yeah looking forward to doing more of more collaborations with people in the community that they'd be to bring oh, new awesome. voices and talk about new new different content and um That kind of thing as we go forward, I'm I'm really... And it's exciting for me because it's sort of stuff that I'm not involved with directly. So I get excited about listening to people's stuff they're making. So that's great. All right, buddy. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there. Anything you want to say in closing remarks at all?
1: Um. Yeah, looking forward to Dr. Viking's um, Cowabunga Challenge, which is... (laughs) Excuse me, um, which is sort of uh, coming together at the moment. Um, very exciting stuff. And, yeah, look, between that and the Call of the Crown challenge, uh, there's just this so much good efforts uh, being uploaded to the Discord. Love to see it, um, especially chaos dwarf armies like uh, Covering Fire Ted has done. So, yeah, keep, keep it up.
0: Yeah, I I've, 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 I was really excited about doing the um, the Kabanga challenge this year, but I was really I thought sort of, yeah yeah I'm going to do it blah blah blah, but then I realised that I've already committed to the Call of the Crown, and I put put forward like a big ar- uh, Empire army I was going to paint up, and then realised well that's n- not achieving the goals that I really want to do scenario wise for like Warhammer, so I've sort of done a bit of a backflip on that, and I posted up a new pick yesterday, put all the miniatures together. So you'll be comprising lots of night goblins, goblins, and high elves and orcs uh, to finish off two two major scenarios that I want to do uh, to bring to the channel at some point and do some live streams and that kind of thing with guys playing with guys um, remotely. So yeah, I'll have to wait maybe uh, next,
1: next year man. can yeah maybe next year can be your uh, sort of like foray into more second edition stuff.
0: Yeah, I think so, man. I think it's it's building up, like you know, i have sort of looked at the old. 40 k models and I know I need more additions to make well to make it a bit more exciting for like you know for one playing and be playing the games with Paul um, you know I need to introduce new units and that kind of thing it's just a it's just a matter of time and it's just a matter of you know uh, motivation uh, also is a big thing as well so we hope it really to, is. Hope yep. to yeah hope to bring more second edition content uh, hopefully next year. So we'll see how we go. I think this, this this next few months are going to be next six months or something just like, just concentrating on getting my armies finished before our 4th edition and 5th edition stuff. So, but I look forward to doing that. Nice. For, looking yeah, forward. Yeah, it might be good. Because yep. that's the game. It's honestly, the game I play the most. The The, the thing I love the most is of Fantasy. I love rank and flank stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I love my 40K 2nd edition uh, You know, in terms of gameplay and all that kind of thing. Um, and we'll, we'll play more of that because we've got Space Wolves to come as well. So, yeah, it will have its day. It just won't be, won't be this year, unfortunately.
1: So, That's all right. We all know how much you love Rank and File. <laughs> mate, I
0: love the Rank and File.
1: <laughs> That's it. That's it.
0: But, um, anyway, mate, it's been a really great pleasure to sit down and talk to you again. So, thanks again, mate. And um, we'll catch you again very short, uh, well, shortly in a couple of weeks' time to give us another update. But, yeah. Um, Mate, in the meantime, um, get cracking on your painting progress, mate, because I haven't seen any pics of, from you for ages now oh, on your jeans. to look really bad. Thing. So please start getting that stuff sorted yep. out, mate. Get your Bob Oli sculpts. So I want to see that um, one of those Bob Oli little tiny little dudes. What are the little dudes called again? The little um, The tiny little guys?
1: Like the little familiars and That's stuff. There.
0: I love those things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love the familiar. I, mate, honestly, the Gene Stealer, the the cult idea. I love that. I I t- I love that more than the actual just regular Gene Stealer high tyrant, You know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah, I love all the hybrid stuff and all that kind of thing. Just ask Marcel. He's got like 50 years' so draw. He can. I'm sure he can send it a few of those to you, mate. So.
1: Nah, <laughs> oh, no, i want Marcel to paint them up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll 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 see when that happens. Eh? next year maybe. In two years' time, five yeah. years' time, yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. yeah, he'll get around to it. He will. He will. We'll keep prodding him some more. All right, buddy. We'll take care. All right, care. guys, keep
1: up yeah. the good work.
0: Yep, absolutely. Yeah, guys. keep up the good work. I love seeing, love seeing what you're doing out there, and um, yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll certainly bring you into focus and under, in in highlight next time we, we talk. So, all right, buddy. Let's yep. wrap up. enjoy
1: the show. Thanks very much. Okay, mate. See you later.
0: Take care. Bye bye. Mate, look, from what the photos, the photos had, you know, been fed back through us through Facebook and whatever, uh, it looked Mm -hmm. like uh, this year, the Bring Out Your Lead was quite a successful event.
2: I think so. Yeah, um, it was. Uh, it was probably a little smaller than I expected. Um, I think we probably got about a hundred and forty-ish unique heads, um, and I guess I probably would have expected about 170, 180 based, you know, based on healthy numbers pre-COVID, right? Um, mm. But I mean, 140 is great. I mean, that, that's that's still phenomenal. You know, if you think when we started, there were like <laughs> 30 yeah. sort of us. It's still a hell of a thing. Um, and I mean, I don't think it's that people didn't want to come. I think it was, you know, it's the cost of living crisis in the UK, which, you know, really mm. pushed it over the edge for people with fuel costs, with um, accommodation. And then, of course, you know, Brexit is still the gift that keeps on giving, right? So, loads of people that would have come <laughs> just don't want to because of the pain of going through order control and right so yeah, yeah i, I think i think that probably that. Knocked, knocked back a few yeah no we've, we've definitely england's definitely worked
3: really hard to make, 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 make it really hard, hard. hard to, <laughs>
2: but, yeah for people to come and play some more hammer right yeah yeah but yeah i mean outside of that uh, it was great yeah i think 140 is, is sort of a super number mm. yeah that's great, great man guys. that's good
0: yeah because I heard, I heard a lot of guys from out like from a discord group who had attended, and they had, they had only positive things to say about the the entire day, and they had great time with uh, meeting up with other people and, um, of course, meeting the celebrities like Jervis Johnson. He turned yeah. up one day, which is pretty <laughs> amazing, isn't it?
2: Free at last, yeah. He's yeah. allowed to come now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, were, we were joking about that because that, that's official, right? From what we've heard, that's official, that, that games Workshop people are not allowed to attend other events of which, you know, or, or non-sanctioned events, should I say? And of course, green Lady is is, is is right in, in the square, you know, in the middle of that Venn diagram, right? So Crazy, definitely a non-sanctioned event. So I guess you know they probably there's probably been a lot of morbid curiosity from from employees of you know, Games Workshop, but they're never allowed to come. So yeah, it's ridiculous. First time it's been Yeah, well, anyway, brilliant too. And, like, he was, like, overlooking a
0: scenario that he actually designed for the Undead book and White Dwarf, which is the um, Revenge of the Doom Lord that um, I think Dave was putting together. That was By the guys.
2: Yeah. Gilson's not that together. So, I mean, they're, they're training the way of the scenarios. But, yeah, that was – I mean, they were, they were pretty giddy about it. But, uh, yeah, nice. Was what was nice to speak to him is, is as well because, you know, he wasn't he, – he, he was saying you know, when he spoke to him that, you know, he – he really enjoyed the fourth edition It was a very special edition for him because he wasn't really the designer of it, right he never played it from mm. the context of how does it work how do i make it better how do i sell it that that kind of stuff he played it from a perspective of it's a game that should be fun so um it was nice. it was quite you know it felt to me that you know he was definitely leaning into you know some 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 happy memories there as, as he walked around <laughs> <laughs> Just and there was there was a lot of middle hammer, right? There really was. Probably more this, this year than I've seen seen it any other. That's great, mate. And can you can you go through some of the tables and what people were playing on the day? Well, I mean, uh this I guess there are some patterns coming out now, right? So you'll see Friday Friday always has the uh, I don't know if they're brothers or or what. One's a lot older than the other one, it seems to me visually, but the Axe Brothers. I think the ACSDX people. Um, they always run run like this big um kind of Aztec style game on the twelve by six on Fridays, right? That, that's become a, a fairly staple thing. And that's just enormous, it's in, it's beautiful, right? The scenery that these guys bring is unbelievable. And you'll see in the pictures, all of the Mordheim tables on Saturday, Sunday, mm. it's they're the same people. right? so they they had a kind of Bristolheim, I think, you know, kind of all this this beautiful scenery based on bristol <laughs> oh, <laughs> they, oh, they had right okay, they, cool. they had made this stuff right uh, you know for a more table but it's the same people so they, it's a big beautiful game on friday um uh, bless him cotton uh, cotton mm-hmm. this is cotton socks is what i think. so curtis had <laughs> he had started making an arrangement to get hell's reach onto a, a six a 12 by six we actually never finished that the, the deal so we'll do a book for him so when i got there he already had a 12 like six all set up and, you know within an hour he was completely set up like you know with this oh, yeah. thing we kind of had to say well sadly you're not supposed to be here <laughs> 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 which kind of, kind of mess, messed up another game but um we managed to house them so you, you would have seen what should have been a you know obviously there was a beautiful health reach table there would have been um you know a scenario that the um it was kind of like his goblin scenario that the war was a um it was sadly pushed another table but there were everyone was okay we all made it on the day but i suppose those those are kind of the three big, big games in the tent um uh, mm. on, on the friday um the rest of friday i guess it's just people setting up s- smaller more interesting games i think that, that stood out to me especially um and obviously Saturday is the, the, the super amazing day right that, that's mm-hmm. what you see there and, and i think obviously Hellsreach moved but it was there you know so the nice thing about Hellsreach is it looked completely different outside you know he had to change the scenery to fit into a different size table yeah so it, it was it was quite different um and then probably the one that I I think really really sold the show was obviously Giles Giles reader done you know his dark future kind of race race course oh yeah um you know which is you know they they brought it um last year in the winter right but they, they hadn't really play tested the game. <laughs> it was really slow this beautiful course and they barely made it like around a quarter of it this year they fixed that they fixed the games They've all these beautiful cars i don't know if you saw it. you must have seen the pictures of this thing i can't believe people wouldn't i did it, see it yeah right? yeah yeah it's unbelievable right this it's mm-hmm. just such a stellar board um and i mean it, it we, we we knew it was coming so we put it in the main tent because it was just so so nice to have it there right that, that people can mm. see um obviously Doomlord lord on the Saturday that, that yeah that was uh got a lot of love from people um I can't remember what the third one was that's bad, right? <laughs> I was there I don't remember what the third one was on the table um oh it was the realm of chaos uh Aiden's realm of chaos that's right that's, um, so he did like this realm of chaos you, you know so I suppose a third edition realms of chaos kind of thing was uh, the chaos lords and you would you were playing the gods of chaos and you were doing teams with we developed and that, that again another s- spectacular looking board. Mm. Um that he had there. And then out, out in the sides, uh, I mean, look, I saw a lot of 40 second and 40k. Um sure. yep. we saw just, you know, an, an assortment of us was kind of kind of rolling dungeon core style things. One of the things there were some I don't I wish I knew their names. Well, I recognize them, they come regularly, but I cannot remember the names, right? But these uh he is doing kind of 3D printed these kind of um dungeon tiles and he was kind of playing like uh inquisitor 28 style uh, right mishmash with something else but the point is the table was really beautiful right these 3d printed things you know, this kind of this demon head coming out of the floor and I, i'm not i'm not talking like you know this is this is an enormous thing like eight inches tall type of mm. piece of scenery right um mm. you know and, and it was it was fun to watch them as, as there were kind of play-testing this game that they made i forget the system it's Maybe the same thing as Rangers of Shadow Leap. I don't know. But the point oh, is, yeah. very yeah. visually pleasing. Yeah, really super good table. I don't think, from the few pictures I did see, I don't think they got as much love as I would have thought they should have, because I thought that table was pretty awesome. It was small. it mm-hmm. onto a, a 3.6. Wonderful. Yeah, and then okay. mm-hmm. Sunday. What, what took my mind on Sunday? Um, I think su- Sunday, the... There was a, a game of D&D, actually, on Sunday, which stood out to me, because they they kind of won foil, right? They, they were the last one standing. <laughs> <laughs> I you, oh, ah, yeah. even though they were still deep in the thick of it. But, you know, it's kind of... It, it, d and a similar system. They're not quite, you know, like old-school, role play system, whatever. It looks like D&D, but from, you know, 1993, whatever it was. But, um, which, you know, I guess we don't see a huge amount but it's nice to see right because it's kind of in the same rose-tinted window of, yeah absolutely. You know, childhood joy these these people playing you know a pretty old-school mm-hmm. adventure so um yeah and then su- Sunday was the a very that I got to play so <laughs> you not know, my first actual game of proper road Trader ever wow um, all right cool yeah no which which was which was a whole lot more fun than I expected I, I really I wasn't sure what to go in with I didn't know the rules really yeah you, know, you think well, I played this game for ages. Ago, so I, I should know this stuff. <laughs> like, wow, they really have loads of really interesting rules that just, just made the game fly, really. Um, so, yeah that, yeah, that was great. That was my, my little cherry on top. Oh,
0: well, that's fine.
2: And the, you know, the problem is now, because you've asked me, what, what are the things that I'm thinking? The ones I don't remember, and then all those people have been wounded because I don't remember their particular table. It's, <laughs> it's not that moment; it's just right now on the spot. I don't remember the table, but yeah, I mean, look, the the the, this, the game quality was was a just really great quality. You know, it was nice to see people really put a lot of effort into every game that they bought, um, which was which was amazing. And then, arguably, my my little road well, trading game was probably the, the, the cheapest of the front. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I saw some really nice terrain, especially on the second edition uh, boards. They had some yes. um, orc buildings and orc huts, and oh yeah, sure. looks like someone actually had free painted a like an evil sun's emblem on one of the sides of the buildings and that kind of thing. So yeah. they look they look really stunning. So yeah, I've always really impressed. and I'm always really curious about you know seeing the boards and what people are, are bringing along to the show on the day and what they're playing and that kind of thing. So it's always quite interesting you know, observing from photos and that kind of thing. Of, of course, I'd love to be there in person, but just seeing the photos is just nice enough to see, you know, people enjoying all these old games and um, bringing down their old collections of models and terrain and that kind of thing. Definitely.
2: Yeah, it is. It was nice to see, uh, it, you know, it's, it's it's inspirational, and it's, it's nice to see people... Develop, if you like, <laughs> over the years, right? You see people's yeah. armies developing, you see people's, you know, one of the guys, um Alan, you know, he's, um he he won the, I think, the unit painting contest, right? He's, he's yeah. an amazing painter, right? But he paints so slowly. <laughs> you know, he's been ragged for years for not being able to table an army because he doesn't <laughs> have one because he hasn't painted <laughs> one because he paints them like one a year. But he's yeah. finally had a you know he's finally tabled an army you know we couldn't believe there's an actual army that you know that, that he was playing to it it's just great to see the development of, of tiny forces so yeah and funny enough that's that's a the investment right to, to see some, some of that and that that feels good that feels really
0: good and there's there's a painting competition i noticed there's a painting competition every single uh bring out your lead who actually judges those painting competitions mate
2: in a, in a way, whoever we can flag to, to do it, right, um, yeah. But what what we find is that you know, so we, we'd like to kind of make it if we can, you know, the you know the designers or the painters, you know, the 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 the, mm. the, the ricks or the jervises or you know these people of the world that, that come. We try and get them to do it, but quite often now they formed the a pattern where they come on the Saturday morning and they kind of leave by the Saturday lunchtime, right? Yeah. Um, and then we we judge it about three we started probably about 2.30 right, to get it done for about 3.30 so in the absence of, of any judges it'll it'll if if no one else is of, of better quality is found it'll be myself <laughs> it will be normally tony yates and then it'll be a third person that that we can we can produce depending on who it is so right um what was the guy's name uh, it's an italian fellow not uh no i can not remember his name that's awful <laughs> anyway and andreas i think his name was andreas um <laughs> he was he was the person and tony called them in right so tony knows knows kind of rockstar painters and kind of gets them in and, and really the condition is as long as you don't have something in there and, and you're willing to look you know you, you can help us out but we use three people so that there's there's definitely an odd number um and it means we can both Cool. Yeah. Okay. So, so this, right. this year it was the three of us. Yeah. Yep. Nice, uh, three three years ago, I think we've we, we got John Barnes to do it. So you know, oh, the people boring. won that yeah, year. John do it before. Yeah. 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 Well, exactly right. But all the people won that year. You know, you've got actual credentials. Right? Like, yeah. You really <laughs> won, right? Whereas, yeah. You really actually won. Yeah. You some the Did you press God and Tony? That's yeah. not <laughs> the same. Yeah. You know, John said that's the winner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's right. So, yeah. yeah. Well, in that Can case, if John, I don't know. If
0: John is actually going to be a judge, you, can, you have to sort of lean your style into John's style maybe to get to to catch his eye more, I think, maybe, yeah. In,
2: indeed so. Bring yes. the so two-headed all <laughs> It's exactly that. I think yeah, there, there wasn't a lot of Brown at all, right, in in, in the entries that won this year. But, uh, you yeah, know, if you want to win, do Brown. If you want John to speak,
0: yeah, that's great, man. That's good. I'm really glad to see it's keep it's 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 still going even after the pandemic and that kind of stuff. Like it's still going along, and people are still coming down. Um, and it's just a shame that people internationally are going to find it difficult to um, to get there. Well, just just be more of a hassle, I suppose. I guess it's like me. It's like me going to the UK. Yeah, it's like me using a, an Aussie passport. It's going to be like the same kind of thing. Mm. I'd say, but. Yeah. Um,
2: it's it, I, I feel for for actually, internationally because it's not just a case of you, you know you're basically are going for like a, a full fat nude weekend right which is already quite hard to explain to you know, your your spouse or your, you know, your family that you're taking a huge amount of money yeah. to go to another country to play games and not hang out with them which you know the, the only the only way most people seem to really get get that pill swallowed is to bring them along and make it into a big holiday which puts it. the cost up you know, and, and and you know be, it becomes prohibitive, right. And then yeah. to stop that or, or if you want to bring the figures with you on that now it's, it's like moving an actual bomb in a plane right that's letting those people <laughs> touch touch your figures searching here i, I think not you know it's yeah. uh, would you like to put that in hand luggage i, I think i would not madam i'll just keep it right here on my lap if that's okay with me yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's that kind of thing it's really yeah. moving figures is terrifying it it's, is isn't it to, yeah. to fly them across a the hemisphere oh, you yeah. that's tricky well, this, 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 this,
0: this, this is why I, I sort of, you know, emphasize the point that people should start their own old hammer, you know, revival group event, whatever it might be in their own yeah. country. You know what I mean? Like for me to get to the UK, it's almost going to be impossible, mate. Like unless I win the lottery, like it's just no way I'm doing it because, you know, obviously my yeah, wife, my yeah. son have to go. And then and then what are they going to do when I'm gaming for like three days? You know what I mean? Like, it's, um, yeah. No, exactly right. That's- I've got, I've got to, have got to, I've got to pay for someone else to come along to keep them occupied and and, uh, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's it's a nice dream, but I love, I love watching the photos and and um, seeing some video. I think uh, Tom Reynolds took some video of the event, which is great. He did like a bit of a sweep through the event halls and inside the foundry areas there. Look at the game tables and stuff like that. So that's really nice to see. So thanks to Tom for doing that for us.
2: Yes, yeah, we're getting a lot more people comfortable with video footage now. Um, sorry, taking video, I suppose is what I mean, and it's yeah. nice that people are, are t- taking the plunge and doing it well, right? So, mm. yeah, thanks indeed, Mister Tom. That's, uh, that's uh, it does. It helps to bring that alive for a lot of people. Um, and I mean going, going to the point about having events in you know in your country. I mean, obviously Poland seems to be going strong, you know, with, yeah. with their event. That's, that's probably the most well-organized of the others that I've seen. But I don't know, you know, the folk in France, you know, they they do something, you know, and um, you know, fortunately for us, Foundry does, you know, we print out that little print. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we, we get that little figure made, right? And then found foundry, you know, again, super generous, they will mint those for you know other events you know, in the year, so yeah. we'll send some to Poland, you know, we'll send some to the States, we'll yeah. send some to Australia. So, you know, we're having to do our best, you know, to use that generosity where it's available to to support other other events as well.
0: Yeah, no, it's great to see, mate.
2: Yeah, I know that, I know that you know, the
0: Polish event's going really strong and that's great to see. The Dutch Oldhammer event's going to start up this year, so that's really good to see um, the Dutchies getting involved with that. And I know Australia mm-hmm. has their own sort of very very small niche group of people in Brisbane, of all places, uh, doing an old hammer event with uh, Neville and the guys there. So yeah, it's I mean, right. it's only going to be it's only going to exist with guys crazy enough like us who want to keep doing this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like,
2: <laughs> well, the thing for the again for those folk, you know, the sad part for them is that I suppose they've, they've got a much it's actually much harder for them to organize because they've mm. they I guess they've got a pack of venues, they've got the tables there, you know. Yeah, Boundary true. has all this stuff, you know. So yeah. we're, we, you know, at, at no point in time do, do I consider myself an amazing organizer, right? If you look at the Polish one and, the, you know, the webpage and all the stuff that he's had to do to make that work, right, mm. that's a well-organized event, you know. What we have is, is you know, an, a, a beautiful and perfect anarchy supported by the fact that Boundary has all this stuff, you know, yeah, so, but it works, and I suppose again, if nothing else, it's an inspiration,
0: yep, yeah, for sure. Man, now, uh, now dates have already been set for next year, is that right? For 2023,
2: uh, they have, uh, and you're gonna ask me what they are, right? Yeah,
0: <laughs> I just <laughs> I saw I a think... little billboard with some dates on it, uh, of right. the photographs. I... Yeah,
2: have I got the fourth to the sixth? Never mind, let me just check that out, hang on a second. That sounds right, I think. It's meant to be the first weekend in August. That's what we're right. always aiming for. So right. um, uh, give me a second as I'll just spin that forward. No,
0: but I think that sounds right, mate. I think it's the first week of August from memory.
2: Yeah, that's right. It's the 4th to the 6th of August. Yeah.
0: That's, that's exactly Cool. Right. So people can already start sort of planning and, and you know, you need you know, for people coming outside of the UK, or even inside the UK in some cases, to come to the to bring out your lab they need to, they need a good twelve months to plan everything, and get yep. their um get their funds sorted <laughs> and get their get their uh, calendar sorted out and and um yeah find their uh, better better halves to do something else
2: or whatever. So right, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, there's a lot of folks because you know New York's the biggest place in the world, right? So it's very easy to blow the accommodation that's available because uh, yeah. I don't know why, but I guess there's other people who want to go there for holidays as well so so you know it's um people do they, they start booking like like now you know they, they're already keen right. to, to, to get the discounts uh, um get the rooms early get get the location the prime locations if such a term could be applied to you but um yeah i suppose people also i've seen this more and more people are setting up airbnbs you know where they're all going to you know get like six or eight people into a, a single place you know which is better than, as well
0: well the next thing for the Ansels to do is set up like an actual B and B at on site. That'd be the best thing to do, wouldn't <laughs> <isn't> it?
2: Bless <laughs> them. I can't imagine. I I am with you. I think that's a great idea. I can, yeah. I can totally imagine the thought of being surrounded by 150 you know Warhammer nerds night and day. Wow. Well,
0: <laughs> or know. better still, just have like tents set up, like have like because I think they've got quite a large property there where they are. Just have like people have like a tent area. Where they can camp out, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, but well, so yeah, loads of people. The one, if, if we if we ever had a suggestion box, and we don't, to be clear, but if we ever had one, that is the one thing ever saying. oh, it would be great if they just camp on the back there. I was like, you know, I'm look, camp on the road. But It's like, they don't want you camping on the, They don't want you camping it. No. It's like, just, just
0: like, yeah, 10 quid, and like, you know, you, you're responsible for cleaning up all your stuff afterwards or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just paying 10 quid for that space you, you camp in for the night. And it's in the summer, so it's not cold anything like that. So it's it's Low. quite pleasant there, I'd, I'd imagine. But yeah, I there is well, I mean, a
2: lot of the people they don't camp obviously there. They don't it. They, they do yeah. camp, but there is a campsite which um, sadly is on the other side of the river. Right, it's, it's not. Only, it's it's you know as a crow flies, it's like a, it's a mile or two away, but. Sadly, um, unless you're planning to swim across the river, you, um, you have to go around the bridge, which, which is a much longer journey. Right. Um, but, yeah, there's, there is – loads of people camp. And we have had people that get there with, seriously, no accommodation plans at all. Their solution is, I'm going to sleep in a lay-by in my car. Oh, right. And I'm, I'm not saying, like, one or two people either, right? There's, there's you know, every eighth person or something. Yeah. <laughs> kind of, wow. Yeah. Okay. Don't, don't really need to be clean or sleep anywhere, <laughs> you know, type of thing. Um which you know, uh, yeah. you, you, you you see a lot of generosity from from this place as well. So like, okay, we'll take you into our Airbnb or into our place or whatever, you know. All that stuff you yeah. tell your kids not to do on the internet. Don't just take some random stranger <laughs> you've met at a gaming <laughs> festival into your hotel room.
0: Yeah, let like Charles Manson, yeah, just say no politely and walk away. Exactly. <laughs> But um yeah, no, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah, accommodation is another thing that people need to consider if they're coming out to bring out lead and finding one yeah. early, getting getting a room somewhere. And um and that's that's yeah. a good that's some good advice. Um Yeah,
2: that 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 is it. it's uh, I mean, I guess it's it's the heat thing is interesting that you said, because what we're finding now is of course now that we have a heat waves in the UK. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The the actual accommodations are hot as hell. <laughs> you know, these are all old <laughs> hotels right? or old pBs Or you know, they don't have yeah. air conditioning, and, and they've yeah. got no plans to get air conditioning, right? So <laughs> these people go from baking in the sun and boiled to oh, these, these tiny hell. little hotel rooms <laughs> melting away in the sun. So yeah, it's it's if if you thought you were exhausted from the game, you can just try try sleeping on the microwaves. Oops.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. I think we're, the northern hemisphere has really
2: copped it this year, mate.
0: Really, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, bring ice packs or bring bring your own own, own uh, fan or something to bring along to the accommodation <laughs> yeah. as well. So we well shoes. packed. Bring, yeah. Bring them open shoes. Yeah. Yeah. But um, well, Garth, well, it's been really, really good to talk to you, mate. Thanks again for your time. I know you're really busy, and um, yeah, cheers. Um, but
2: Thank you. Oh, thanks I for really, it's, it's No, mate, nice no, no. I really
0: appreciate you coming on and, and giving us an update, mate, because I know you're the man, you're the main man who um, sort of who helps uh, organize these events every year. And it's just really nice wow. to, to touch base with you uh, every time there's been a bring out your lead so that people can mm-hmm. um, enjoy listening to what's been happening. And maybe, you know, if they're lucky, they have the opportunity to come and visit you guys at some point uh, overseas or what have you. And uh, come and join yeah. in the fun.
2: Well, we'd, we'd love to see it. So bring it, bring your to us ten next year, right? So um oh, we, yeah. we haven't yeah ten, ten of them. I mean, it would have been this year, but but the COVID. Um. So yeah, we 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 haven't. I mean, we, I guess we, we've we've just let let the let the previous one kind of subside, but mm-hmm. um. But we'd like to make it. I don't want to make promises, of, but, you know, we'd, we'd like to make it special. Maybe that's that's all that needs to be said, right? Oh, we'd wow. like to do something, something for it. So, you know, I I don't know. I really hope that by then, you know, the government will just sort all of those problems out and we can let people in again. There will be COVID, there will be Russians, there will be gas problems be whatever. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, knows that sort of thing. I don't even know. But people will be able to come <laughs> and, and play games. You know, we'll have overcome the financial crisis. I have no idea, but um, you know, I I have got a lot of hope for for, for the one next year, um, and yeah, I, I, I we will work to to do our best to, to make something special. No commitments, no commitments at all. It is a perfect anarchy. I have no control, but we intend. That, if nothing else, it's a declaration of intent. So yeah so if you can if, if there was a year you were going you were going to get out there <laughs> it's next year right now well, start 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 your business case right now
0: <laughs> I've, I've I've uh, marked do. down seven numbers in my phone that there'll be the a lot of numbers I'll be putting down my ticket tomorrow so with any with any <laughs> luck if that's some kind of divine inspiration that I've had on my way to work yeah, this morning yeah, yeah. Uh, if those numbers come up mate then uh, I'll be definitely coming over there um you know um, I think I, I think I can get away with it with my wife staying here. I think I think that'll be fine. I'll, I'll I'll make up some excuse. I'll just give her loads of money and say, look, you know, you're just going to do what you want. I'll just I'll just bugger off for like a week, <laughs> and uh, I'll see you in a week's time. She, I think she'll be fine with that. It's,
2: it's a good deal, doesn't it?
0: cheap. Yeah, mate. It I think it's I think she'll deal. buy that. Yeah, she, and money involved, she'll be fine. So um, yeah, I'll pay my way out of, out of that. So out of, out of any commitments, and then I'll be able to go over there. And <laughs> I want to spend a week if I'm going there, If I go there, I want to spend like a week or so in the UK. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Good fortnight. When people come out? Yeah, exactly. I
2: mean, because just there, you know, you have got to hold their belt trying right? to. So yeah. Come, obviously, they go to the Warhammer World. They going to see War yeah. Games. They go and see. um uh, well, it's what they're they're the other ones? You know, there's 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 a bunch there. Um, and I guess most people kind of get the history fix as well. You know, yes end, i suppose that's right yeah, two or so days in london but um yeah you know jet lag is the, is the
0: that, <laughs> like that's the, exactly why that's why <laughs> i need i need a few yeah, days know, grace yeah. beforehand before the event so i really need to get to like monday or tuesday get over the jet lag and then <laughs> adjust because that's another thing that people don't think about is the jet lag as well isn't it no. you know Uh, I've I've, I've been to the UK and I know what that feels like, but I was like, um, I think it was like 19 or 20 at that time. So I could quickly recover from that, but bloody hell, mate, at uh, 47, I don't think I'd be recovering too quickly.
2: (laughs) Exactly right. You're going to come over. You're going to get involved in Middlehammer. In there will be a Gilson Brothers argument, and you're. If you're oh, not brilliant! Ready for that, I want to, right I, want to
0: one, I want to capture one of those on film or something on, on tape yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah. I've oh, got to. I've got to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
2: Same exactly. Bit. But you don't want to be jet
0: like when you do that. Right, <laughs> <then. Yeah. sighs> ah, funny, mate. That's awesome. Okay. Well, thanks. Thanks again, mate. Thanks, Garth, for coming yeah. on again, mate. So really appreciate it. And I know that the guys in the in the Chronic Man community really appreciate you coming on. And talking about bringing lead because I know you're very passionate about it, and um, and we just hope that it, it just keeps on going, you know, for the next ten years after after next year. You know what I mean? Like it just keeps on going and going. So that's all yeah, we can hope And thanks to them because it was nice to meet some of the people
2: that came out, right? Yeah, from, yeah, specifically from you know the the, the Discord. So yeah, yeah. Great. kudos. Yes, we're for, for getting there. Yeah,
0: I think I yeah, think I'm eventually sure. I think a lot of the guys now from Discord, you know, from our group anyway. Um, are really intent on going there because a lot of them do live in the UK already, or they live in Europe, so it's very easy and yeah. accessible for them to get there. So, it's wonderful; they're very lucky. Yeah, but um, but anyhow, mate, I'll let you go. And thanks very much again Thank you. for your time and uh, all the best. And I hope, I hope, um, yeah, t- <laughs> the rest of twenty twenty two is uh, is better for you, mate.
2: Cheers! Thanks so much for that, and uh, look as well for you. Good luck with the lottery tickets. Uh, Thank you, sir. It's <laughs> so, yeah, great. Here I'll you. keep you. I'll <laughs> keep you mind. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes, indeed. Thank you very much. Yeah, <laughs> nice. The, right, the old hammer eBay fund. Yeah. Yes. Yes.
0: We'll ha- we we'll have to have a, few, have a bit of a beer party when I when I get there. Then if we win the lottery, nice. Awesome. All, All right, right, mate. We take care. Thanks for that, and um, catch you later. Okay, catch you later, mate. Bye bye.
2: Cheers, cheers, buddy. Bye bye. Bye.
4: Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we have here now a special episode for the Crown of Command podcast, because it's not Joshua from Japan talking here, as you can hear, but uh, me, Marcel from Germany, and my good friend from the Netherlands, Katjan. Katjan, how are you doing?
5: Hello. Uh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just back from a week's holiday. Uh, it was very nice, very relaxing, uh, spent a lot of time with the family. And now I started again this week and uh, just in time also for um, getting everything ready for, well, basically the topic that we are going to discuss.
4: Yeah, and that's the crown, the call of the crown two or the second painting challenge of the um, call of the crown. Yeah. Crown of Command <laughs> podcast. Um, how long
5: is it the last one? Two years now? Yeah, I think so. It was during the... I believe the first year of the corona pandemic. Um, so this should have been in 2020 that it started in the, in the summer or just after the summer. Maybe in September or so.
4: Yeah, I think I don't remember was...
5: exactly. August, September, some, somewhere around that time. Yeah,
4: I think the first month was September. And now in uh, October, so in two weeks, we have our second painting challenge. It's not a competition. It's a challenge for everyone to just get your beautiful miniatures finally painted. Because, as um, and I think I speak for all of us, we have tons of them. Some they're hidden in our hobby rooms, in our lead piles or black holes or whatever. So it's really good to get them finally on the table so how many uh, people have signed up so far
5: so far i have 58 people that have uh, pledged to do something Uh, and these are the people that have already sent me uh, either or both their army list and the pre-painting picture because those are the two requirements for joining uh, there are a couple more names on my list that have expressed interest but haven't sent me anything yet. So maybe they will uh, come up with something and uh, in the nick of time. And maybe uh, they decided that they were too busy after all. So let's say we've, we have around 60 participants all in all.
4: Wow, that's a lot. And I mean also a lot of work for you because you are presenting the monthly results on your um, on your blog, right?
5: Yes, uh, for the previous challenge we posted all the pictures in the Facebook groups and then Josh took them all out and he edited them and uh, he put them into a video every month and I asked him if he was planning on doing something like that again, and he said, no, that's too much work and I'm too busy for that. And I myself am not that skilled at video editing and stuff like that. So um, we decided that it would be best to just put them all in a very big blog post. Everybody can send me a single picture at the end of the month. I maybe should express that it is going to be a single picture of what they have painted. And then uh, write something up um, that can be a little bit of a fluff piece for the army. That can also be something like, uh, what was I planning to do? What went well? What didn't go as good as expected? Which new techniques did I try out? What do I plan on painting next month? So it's, I, I just sent everybody some sample questions that they could use if they wanted to. And then I'm going to put all of those uh, together and uh, upload them to my uh, to my own personal hobby blog. I, I was a little bit too lazy to make a separate site for just this challenge. Um, so this might s- seem to be a little bit of hidden. Advertisement. Please, everybody, come to my blog. But I can assure you, that's not the case. I don't make any <laughs> money off of it, or something like that. And I only and, uh, occasionally post on it, anyway. So um, it, it was mostly sitting idle. So yeah, it, it seemed totally like a good fine. channel. Yeah,
4: yeah of Sorry? course, and it's totally fine. And of course, you have still a lot of work. Yeah, posting and the stuff all, or put it all on your blog. I mean, that's not something you do uh, quickly and it's for, yeah, almost 60 people, so that will take a time, so, I mean, I think that's totally fine. And would you say, do we have any, let's call them, special armies so far taking part in the challenge?
5: Uh, Yeah, we do actually. Um, Let's see, I know that there was someone who had a a 3rd edition Chaos Army that he uh, he pledged, Um, which is quite nice because now we have an army for at least, I believe, every edition from 3rd through 8th. (laughs) <laughs> oh, wow! Uh, plus some fan-made additions there are some uh, some people that use uh, i know uh, warhammer renaissance and i also believe there's one uh, at least one warhammer armies project mm-hmm. and there's also an army that i oh it was sent in a long time ago i i don't quite remember it but it was a, an army that was Built up of miniatures of a different army, but it all fit the same theme. Uh, let me see if I can find it real quick. I believe it was uh, supposed to be a Chaos army, a Nurgle Chaos army, but made up out of Orcs and Goblins units or something like that. Okay. Now I probably have to have to browse. Um, I, I've got it all in a uh, in a document which has spanning seventy pages now with all the army pictures and. Uh, oh. Uh, no, no, yeah, no, no, I, I, I probably can't find it uh, very soon. And there are a lot of people uh, who pledge the Chaos Army, so...
4: Um, I, I should have done so, my
5: homework on this one.
4: <laughs> so, very ambitious. I mean, you can uh, um, kitbash uh, orcs and goblins, like, possessed or blessed by Nurgle. I think that would be possible to do. So, yeah, cool. Um, I I, I believe
5: it was was that combination, but I'm not quite sure uh, 100%.
4: Ah, no problem. Then the people have a surprise. Um, So, we are not restricted to official army list, all the editions, or the hero hammer editions. So, you already said we have an old hammer 3rd edition army, we have of course 4th and 5th edition armies, we have six, seven, and then eight uh, covering the editions and also fan-made. So, and if I um, remember correctly, we are also not um, restricted to use Citadel miniatures. Is that right?
5: Yeah, that's right. Uh, well, it does have to be a Warhammer Army list that you are making with these. But um the goal for me for doing this challenge is basically to help people get their miniatures on the table and it doesn't really matter which miniatures they are as long as they use them as a as a fantasy army and i think um well, that was also the case for the last edition uh for the for the first call of the crown because I had a Bretonian army then, and I believe no, I didn't have any third third-party models. I bought those later. No, I, I'm uh, I'm mistaken. I thought I uh, I asked Josh back in the day or a, a Jesse who was uh, organizing. Uh, I thought I asked them if I could use uh, third-party models, but I didn't include any um, in my original list. I did okay. use some 6th edition models as uh, the upgraded uh, knights versions so like some 6th edition plastic knights that I painted up as grill knights to use alongside the 5th edition plastics because I only got to Bretonia when the old world had already blown up and uh, the prices had blown up as well mm. so um yeah, that's that's what I did back then. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm not really uh, particular about editions or armies, and uh, uh, basically this challenge is a reflection of my own collection because I I also have miniatures ranging from pretty much every edition, uh, including some third-party miniatures, and as long as they represent what they are supposed to represent. I don't care if you're, say, a dwarf clansman, if they are from Citadel, or if they are from uh, from Oatla- uh, Oatmark, or, or um, Wargames Atlantic, or Mantic, or any of those companies that make dwarf miniatures. Uh, even yeah. 3D printed, as long as you have them represent what they are, then that's fine by me. The, the goal is to make an army that you can put on the table, yeah. and uh, that you can play with. And, uh, yeah, judging from all the people that have shown interest in this challenge over the past few months, I think that it is also something that the community um, really needed. Um, now I'm also selling myself again, and I don't want to do that because this is <laughs> this was just a little idea I had. It's not even an original idea because it, I just basically uh, took over someone else's challenge. Uh, But, yeah, I've gotten a lot of positive feedback on the challenge so far, and I'm really happy that uh, I can be able to to serve the the greater Warhammer community in this way.
4: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And maybe someday we will uh, meet on an event or so and play uh, with our uh, painted armies for the challenge against each other. So that would be really cool. Yeah, we should something. do that.
5: Yeah, yeah. You, you you only live like, a, like an hour and a half away from me or something. So, uh, it's it's actually it's it's a bit of a, a bit of a shame that we haven't met up yet.
4: Yeah,
5: that's true. Mm. Yeah, we well, are both busy, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> Painting miniatures.
5: Um, miniatures, yeah. Yeah, but I know of an, uh, a few other people here in the Netherlands that are also participating in the challenge. And I even know that was also a a, a nice uh, shout out that I wanted to give. That are a couple of people I believe four people from the UK, four gentlemen that are using this challenge to field completely new armies, I believe t- two or three thousand points and they are going to at the end of the challenge play a uh, two versus two good versus evil battle with, uh, like the, with the challenge what, miniatures what, what was it called? The Tale of? A tale of Four three? Gamers, yeah. Some, they, they're yeah. going to do something like that and they're going to use this challenge for that. Yeah, so very good. I'm, cool. uh, I'm really glad that this also inspires other people to uh, get creative in their own way. Yeah.
4: Um. So you just talked about uh, your last uh, painted army, the Pretonian army, for the last challenge. So what
5: is your next army going to be? Uh, well, I have. I'm not going to say too many armies, but I have many armies, mm-hmm. and I know. <laughs> uh, my, my goal is to eventually be able to play every unit from every Warhammer faction uh, for, for basically every edition, uh, and up. Mm-hmm. So I still have a ways to go in collecting, and I have an, an even longer way to go in painting. Um, But because of that, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, what I wanted to paint. So I held a poll on the Crown of Command Facebook group. And I basically asked the community, uh, well guys, here are my options, what would you like me to paint? And for some reason, uh, Beastmen got the most votes. Which is something that I hadn't expected at all. but yeah, I, I was probably expecting something like Dwarves or Skaven. I know that those armies are—they uh, have a very big online fan base. That's something that we noticed ju- doing some uh, Wargames Orchard polls. And uh, for some reason, people elected Beastmen. So I uh, have now committed myself to a, a Beastmen army.
4: Okay, so um, did you uh, use a battle report or one of the army lists uh, from the army books as a as a guide or reference, or just uh, looked at what you have at home and, and used that?
5: For building yeah, the home? last one. I, I have um, pretty much everything I need for a beastman army. I do need some of the. Uh, uh, like a unit of corn gores and, and something like that, some special things with a mark of chaos, but I have been collecting Beastmen for uh, for a, a little while now, got a couple of second-hand armies, and I then uh, decided to go with the six edition uh, Beastmen army book for my basis, because they have uh, a lot of units and they also have those fun beast hurt units which is uh, gores and ongors combined so I made a 3000 point army with those miniatures which admittedly includes a few special characters so if, if I just were to feel them as normal characters then it would be a little bit less than 3000 points and then I uh, also thought well what if I want to play this army in 8th edition what would I need then so then I added another 1000 uh, maybe a little bit more points of miniatures that weren't in the 6th edition book or that were in addition to the units that I, I am already going to paint just to make them a little bit bigger oh, okay. So, uh, but, but that's going to be my, my bonus section so uh, <laughs> my main goal will be to paint that, that standard beastman army for 6th edition which uh, Includes the uh, Beast Lord and Chariot, uh, Battle Standard Bearer, a couple of uh, characters, uh, some shamans, uh, I believe another Chariot, and I also want to do a Chaos Spawn, but I forgot to put it in the picture. A unit of Bestigore, and two Beast herds and some Minotaurs, and a couple of Warhounds. Oh. And I already have some Centigores painted up. So that's that gives me a nice mix of models when I finally finish this uh, army.
4: Mm, and um, the miniatures are mostly sixth edition, I guess.
5: Yes. Um, yeah, I got I got a few of those uh, six slash seventh edition armies second hand. I do also mm-hmm. have a large amount of the monopose beastmen with uh, the the halberds
3: the and plastic ones. i yeah
5: the plastic okay. ones, and i I do intend to use those as uh extras for my uh Bestigor units because they actually fit in there and and they they don't look too far off in scale okay. which is surprising because usually when you get those plastics, you can't really put them in with other elite units but uh these uh apparently you can so uh yeah, I'm going to try that. And I'm also going to, to rely heavily on contrast paints, I already decided, um, because, well, one, I think Beastmen is an army that really lends itself to that. And two, I also want to experiment a little bit more with contrast paints and, and just mm-hmm. how they work and how I can use them uh, to their best advantage.
4: Okay, um, uh, talking about paints... Um I mean, I, I, uh, I think the Josh um, talked with Carnifex about the new range of Vallejo contrast paints coming up. Will you also try these out, or just stick to the Citadel paints?
5: Well, I, I'm not against branching out, but I just invested in that entire new set of Citadel paints. So uh, I'm going to use those for now, and but I will be keeping an eye out for other paints and other brands. Yeah, and okay. um, I yeah, it's uh, when I started playing Warhammer back in the uh, in the early 2000s, um, a classmate of mine said these Citadel paints they were made to be used with these miniatures. So, for some reason, for the longest time, I thought, okay, when I paint Warhammer miniatures, I can only use Citadel paints. (laughs) And the only other experience I had was with some acrylics that my my mother had lying around for making uh, uh, postcards and stuff like that. So, I used those in the beginning and then later I I painted everything over with Citadel paints. And for some reason, that, that stuck to me and it Took me the longest time to just get one or two pots of a different brand and uh, a little while back i got a very big set of airbrush paints for the um uh, it's the army painter uh, has mm-hmm. those they're already thinned to a usable thickness to use in an airbrush And that has also uh, really helped me because usually I was just messing about with uh, the paint being too thick or too thin and that really took the joy out of using an airbrush and I I use it much more often now and that's just because of those, um, well let's call them third party paints that I got. So, um, yeah, a, a very long story short, I, I do not intend to check out the Vallejo Paints anytime soon. But, um, yeah, I, w- I will keep my ear to the ground. And if people are very happy and satisfied with them, uh, maybe to an extreme amount, then I will definitely consider them. I'm sure. not, I mean, not married to GW uh, when it comes to paints uh, even though it, it does seem like that uh, sometimes
4: No, I mean they or at least were the most uh, ready available hobby paints you can get uh, in every uh, yeah, GW store you could get the paints um, I mean I got a wild collection of different paints um, mostly Vallejo but that's because I come from more from the uh, historical wargaming uh, hobby. So I wanted to have this and this color because this matched the uniform in this year best and not just blood red. So, but that's yeah. me and totally No, fine. no,
5: no, but that's that's a good point you, you mentioned there because if you, like me, I, I only played Warhammer. I, I never got into historicals or even any other game system. So when you only play Warhammer and you only know of the Citadel paints, uh, it, it took me the longest time to even learn that there were other brands out there. It was only when um, I sort of got more active in the in the Facebook groups, but it was I think about the time when the when the pandemic hit. Uh, then everybody was getting back online, and maybe a little bit before that. It was only then that I learned of even the existence of brands like uh, Vallejo and an Army Painter and Nostalgia 88 and stuff like that. So,
4: so um, it looks like we will have a, wi- uh, a wide variety of different armies. With a lot of people taking part, um, I really hope that a lot of people will stick to the challenge because I can speak from my own experience. It is hard. Yes. Um, but um, that's for me the best part about the challenge is the I need the kick in the ass yeah to keep going. Uh, it's hobby, but it's sometimes kind of work because you have to do it. And after you finish the unit, on the last minute before midnight, sending the email with the photo, something like that, then it's re- uh, really motivating to to keep uh, to keep going. And really
5: rewarding, yeah.
4: To, yeah, and also if you share the pictures here on social media or on our Discord and other people just give a like or a comment or so that keeps all, also the motivation really high, at least for me and I think that's just, as as we both said, the main goal, just uh, to paint our <laughs> miniatures. Because I don't know if in, in my life will paint all the miniatures I have. And I certainly will buy more that's even worse. Um,
5: yeah, it's going to be I, the same. Yeah, I, I hope uh, one day to uh, um, to to be able to employ child labor um, my own kids is going to be, of course. Uh, yeah, right. but, uh, well, maybe if they show an interest in it, uh, but yeah, then uh, I will probably still have plenty of miniatures lying around. Hey, oh, uh, uh, what about your army, Masa? Because we've talked about my Beastmen, but I, I'm looking currently at uh, a lot of uh, metal dwarves. Uh, actually, in, in two pictures, one of them is going to be your army list, and one is going to be a, a bonus uh, to your army.
4: Yeah, that was a mistake. I, th- I fear. <laughs> I got carried away. Um, yeah, I will paint a 4th edition Dwarven army and um, uh, mostly Marauder Dwarves, so the really old stuff. And um, as a guide, because I'm kind of lazy if it comes to list making, uh, I took the sample army out of the back of the army book. And after um, assembling them all on the on the table for taking the photo, I realized ah that's not many because I think the army list is around
5: thousand points. I um, mean, let me check.
4: Yeah, and I mean they are dwarves, so they are quite expensive. Yeah. nine eighty eight.
5: Um,
4: yeah, and and including some magic items i think or runes or whatever so in the end you you don't end up with a lot of miniatures and and i was thinking oh that's that's not many and you still have a lot of dwarfs and um they did it in the in the army book after the list uh, they, they wrote, if you want to, uh, so you got now uh, your, your nice starter army, if you want to expand, why not add another war machine or another elite regiment of, I don't know, longbeards or whatever. So uh, you have a new selection of, of, of units because, of course, you have to buy them and they want to sell their stuff. So it's like a kind of advertisement. And, um, and then I went through uh, these uh, pages. And I saw, hmm, um, a gyrocopter. Oh, that's a cool model. I will add a gyrocopter. Oh, Buckman's Rangers. Hmm, Nice models. And, and so that's the bonus uh, <laughs> picture. Um, I just picked up the units and, and war machines I like best from these and hopefully will include them um, to the painted stuff. So I will try to paint the 1,000 points first. And then try to add as many bonus units as possible. And for the clansmen or the, the, yeah, the clan warrior unit, I did something special because I just didn't want to add the normal clan warriors, but I tried to get as many of the so called imperial. Dwarfs, the old Marauder dwarfs, as possible in the unit. So we are talking about the Dwarves that look like Crusader Knights yeah, with Chainmail and Hot Helmets and stuff like that. And I think they really look cool. For me, they look like Dwarves, <laughs> so to say. And um, I'm not quite sure what um, color scheme I, I want to use. I'm thinking about blue and white, but I painted my elves blue and white, so hmm, I'm not not quite sure. What do you think?
5: Oh, that's a good one. I haven't even thought about my own color scheme, and now you ask me to, to put down <laughs> your color scheme on the fly. Um, well, I what I did with my dwarves is that I selected which hold they were from and then I uh, I ended up in far uh, the uh, the seaport because I I like ships so mm-hmm. uh, and that's also a good excuse for why my dwarves would be fighting against uh, say lizardmen or high elves uh, it's just my for uh, dwarf raiding party <laughs> uh, which which is totally uh, in the fluff somewhere I I don't think I don't know uh, but So, I thought, well, uh, Sea Dwarfs, the color of the sea, uh, so I have some, I have a color scheme with uh, blue and, uh, like, bluish green, those go rather well together. Mm -hmm. Um, So, if you're talking uh, GW colors, then it's the, uh, the blue is is, uh, enchanted blue, so the the really uh, bright blue. And mm-hmm. green is uh what's it called again uh scaly green i believe so it's it's like it's it's not really turquoise but it is uh on the green end of what you might call turquoise
3: okay
5: um, yeah. but that that's just uh how i did my dwarves um i i always feel for some reason that that green goes well with dwarves but I don't know why that is. Um, when I think <laughs> about those Imperial dwarves, I... For some reason, uh, something like green and yellow, something that really stands out. Uh, but, well, painting yellow can also be quite a challenge. Uh, mm. Yeah, I don't know. Blue and white also really works well for dwarves. I wouldn't really go with red for dwarves, maybe apart from some details like the weapon shafts. Yeah, um, Because that would... Flash too much, I think, with uh, with the slayers. Then your slayers won't stand out enough with their orange hair. Yeah, so I, I, w- I would steer away from that end of the color spectrum, and then you automatically end up towards either uh, blue or yellow, uh, mm. as as your as, if if we're talking primary colors.
4: Ah. I have maybe, I've got two weeks, uh, so still uh, some time to made up my mind for that.
5: Yeah, or you you could do uh, either what I did or uh, what you did for Josh for the podcast. You can uh, either hold a community poll, how am I going to paint my dwarves? (laughs) Or you could um, make up a table with all the different colors that you can think of and then mm. roll two or three times on that table to get your, your basic color scheme.
4: Okay, so you want that I have a dwarven army that is tentacle pink. Great, Gertian.
5: Thank you. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could, you could maybe tweak the table a little bit to, to leave out tentacle pink. Uh, but yeah, uh, if, if, yeah. If, if, you, if you want a, uh, a unit of uh, Slaanesh dwarfs, uh, yeah, sure, go for it. Uh, pinks and purples.
4: Well, that would be an <laughs> army for
5: sure. <laughs> yeah,
4: <laughs> May- looks more like a chaos dwarf yeah. army than but- yeah,
5: okay, yeah. It dwarves are usually rather heavily armored, so uh, basically anything goes well with uh, with metal. Yeah, that's uh, true. So, so you so you can go any way you want with with what well, well, you can go any way you want with any miniature basically, but you <coughs> well, there are some. Some lore restrictions. You want your orcs to look green. Uh, your your lizards to look. Uh, uh, maybe green or blue. So some more natural colors. But yeah other than that. Uh, for uniforms you can. You can basically do anything. So it's just. Uh, um, it's, it's too much out in the open. To make an informed decision on that.
4: Yeah true. And uh, I'm now looking forward To. Uh, that you at least have one uh, albino unit uh, in your army yeah? and have to paint some white fur for your beast. Father. Oh, that's a
5: good idea. Or maybe yeah. not an You're entire well, maybe not an entire unit, but... Uh... The command team. Yeah, maybe a single albino or something, uh, so that it stands out.
4: You're welcome. Oh, yeah. I'm
5: definitely going to do that. Yeah, thanks for the advice.
4: Okay, Gerdjan. so I think we have (laughs) talked about our armies Um, um, enough, so I think we will have a wide selection of nice armies in how long is the challenge running again?
5: Uh, For eight months in total, so we will be done uh, at the end of May 2023. Wow, okay, so... And, uh, yeah, I'm also uh, really glad with the way the community um, gave me feedback on this, because when I first posted this, I said, well, we're going to do 2,000 points in eight months. And then several people said, oh, too bad, I want to join, but 2,000 points is going to be too much for me. So then I I tweaked it a little bit um, so that you can now have at least 1000 points I and mean, basically in increments of 500 points 1000 uh, 1500 1, 2000 as a a tier for the challenge and yeah that really works well a lot of people have pledged 1000 points 1500 points also plenty mm-hmm. that have uh, um gone to the fanatic level the, the 2000 points plus <laughs> and um I also got some other some minor things for the community. Those those questions that I mentioned, uh, someone sent them to me. So, uh, for the people who don't know what to write, here are some sample questions that you can use, that you can answer if you uh, uh, if you want to use them. Uh, so, yeah, it's 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 just uh, the feedback that I've gotten from the community and and all the. Uh, positive remarks from everybody that has been really encouraging and uh, definitely shows me that this challenge is something that was well let's say that it was needed uh, for the community the community wanted to have something like this and just the the response is amazing Uh, all those people who have pledged their armies. I, I can't tell you off the top of my head how many points is going to be. But uh, yeah, well, at least um, at least sixty thousand because we have sixty people and and most of them have a lot more. So I wouldn't be surprised if we if we breach the the two hundred thousand points, um, assuming everybody sticks to what what they pledged. Mm-hmm.
4: And uh, one last thing, because I mean uh, the challenge hasn't started yet we have two weeks to go so if people want to join where and how do they find the infos or can contact you
5: oh um yeah basically all you have to do is find me and uh, there are many ways to do that on facebook i am uh, Gertjan van heuchte uh, i'm also active in the uh, crown of command facebook community there's a pinned post there by me so if you just click on my name Then it will bring you straight to me. Um, I am also on uh, Discord on the Crown of Command Discord community. So if you're on Discord, you can just uh, there's a special Call of the Crown painting challenge channel that you can uh, post your pictures or or to uh, that you can approach me. Um, I think you can. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram. But for the challenge, I don't think that has been done yet. I also opened up a an email address, uh, which was an uh, a bright idea I had uh, the other day to centralize everything. Um, I have to check because I'm not sure, but I believe the email address is uh, Call of the Crown two, and then two is just the number two. At mm-hmm. gmail.com Okay. Let me see um, where, where can I find that. Uh, yes, uh, Call of the Crown to uh, at number two at gmail.com So if you send me an email on that, then I will also um, be able to see that and and reply. Great. And uh,
4: the address of your blog, because I think there were also all the information already Yes, posted. that's
5: true. That's also uh, the case. Uh, the uh, blog is GJ's Workshop. all written together at... Uh, no, it's not at. Uh, gjsworkshop.wordpress.com
4: Okay, cool. gert So, two weeks to go, and I'm quite sure we will break the 60... So let's see if you can reach 70 or even more. So I'm really looking forward to Yeah, so my mates. And thanks for your time and have a nice weekend.
5: No problem. Okay. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye bye.
3: Hello everyone. My name's Paul. If you've listened to all of the Crown of Command Podcasts, you've probably heard my voice once before. Also, I'm Joe Guardsman on the Discord, so yeah, feel free to message me anytime you want. Uh, what I decided I would try and do is help people who are kind of backgrading from 6th edition into 5th edition. The... Purpose of this is just to help with all the tiny little things that you can mistake during edition bleed. Uh, the funny part about this is that we're doing it backwards. Of course, when when, we're, when we were playing back in the day, there was a, whenever there was a change, we would always have to comb comb through the book and find the small changes uh, that were I don't know, made to upgrade the game or. In the case of something like 8th edition, change it completely. Uh, So for this, I just want to help people who are maybe 6th, 7th, 8th edition players maybe pick out some of the tiny details uh, that might be different in 5th edition. When I started doing this, I was really surprised in the end by exactly how much the 5th edition book to the 6th edition rulebook were all copy and paste, uh, all the way down to the kind of corny flavor text of each of the abilities and and rules and sections of the game. The one thing that I'm not doing with this, I'm not going over army book differences or or even the magic differences. Uh, the magic, se- the magic set from fifth edition, and the magic that players would be used to in sixth and on are so completely different. It would require a whole other podcast for. Uh, it's really just the, the the core section of the rules that I'm looking at. So just what you find in your in your main rule books, probably minus the magic, just minus the magic section. All right so with that i'm going to begin on the first pages of the rulebook basically right after you get past uh that you need dice and a tape measure to play uh so one thing that's a little bit different is going from sixth to fifth uh five inch templates are entirely gone from the game uh The largest you'll end up finding is maybe a 4-inch somewhere, but it tends to be about a 3-inch template for almost uh, everything circular. Then we get into characteristics. One of the biggest changes that you'll find is uh, BS is no longer ballistic skill. It's now bow skill in 5th edition. So uh, make sure you get that right. It goes on into the unit types. This is maybe more of an army book thing, but most units in 6th edition tended to require uh, five, ten, models, to- 10 models at least for, uh, say, basic infantry. You'll usually find that it's five in 5th edition. 5th edition does not have any unit strength, so if you're, if you're ever trying to calculate things for breaking ranks, you only count the individual models. Cavalry, for instance, does not count as 2 like it would in 6th edition. And this also means that outnumbering is not in 5th edition at all. A very big difference when you get into the turn phases is the magic phase moves for 5th edition. Uh, This ends up being very important for all sorts of reasons, particularly that the spells are all written differently, so it's important to keep in mind. When it gets into movement, one of the good things is that when, one one good things about 6th edition that, that I liked is that it wasn't so movement restrictive for wearing heavy armor and a shield uh, but in 5th edition you do have to worry about your 4 inches of movement going to 3 inches if you're if you're wearing heavy armor and a shield likewise your mounts movement would be decreased Then into armor saves in in general, Uh, there is no 1s on a D6 always fail rule. So in 5th edition, if you can find the very rare situations of a 1 plus armor save, uh, you'll need a modifier in order to beat and cause them to be able to fail their armor saves. In 6th edition, you have the armor bonus for having a hand weapon shield in melee. Uh, but that is removed in fifth edition, so your nice sword and board troops unfortunately have to kind of suffer from a lack of armor in in hand to hand combat. When we get into a little bit of the shooting rules, uh, in fifth edition, ogre-sized models are specifically labeled as large targets. To get a plus one to hit, so it's that that can be a bit different and a bit jarring because you're fairly expensive, not too heavily armored. Forty mm forty millimeter base models will be plus one to hit and f- fairly easy to hit in shooting. The next thing I ran into was during charges in fifth edition there is no limit on how many units behind your first choice that you can redirect to. So it is not going to come up very often, but if your opponent was say playing multiple small units, all kind of stacked together, and he doesn't want to fight with any of them, you can keep declaring charges on new units that you couldn't have charged previously and kind of, Break a whole column of small units. Another thing that comes up with just unit types in general uh, is fast cavalry. In fifth edition, is any mo- any cavalry model where basically any model with a f- seven or more movement, and that also has a maximum of five plus save. Then for terrain, standing on a hill, uh, it allows you. To shoot all of your ranks in 5th edition. 6th edition only allowed one additional rank when standing on a hill. Sorry guys, I'm starting to realize some of these are out of order. But I did them in order of going through the book. And sometimes it caused me to bounce back and forth. Because the organization of the two books were a little different. Now, back to another shooting rule. So, all armies can shoot into combat in 5th edition. uh, Not just Skaven, uh, say. And then, if you shoot into combat, uh, you have to randomize, and there's, fi- there's a fifty percent chance you'll hit your own troops. Now, this one I wrote down, but I found out that most players in fifth edition were still doing corner-to-corner fighting. Uh, so, if you if you have your squares perfectly aligned with other uh, with other s- same-based models, uh, you fight not only the the one or two that's touching directly in front of you but you, go, you also can attack off to the corners if you're perfectly aligned. Uh, the I think the only reason I had this memory of maybe 5th edition we didn't do it was because I remember specifically in 6th edition they had a diagram uh, stating that we can. Uh, but I found that all my friends who n- even never played 6th edition also always used corner-to-corner fighting. Uh, it's... Uh, I don't know. If you have someone who's confused or there's a rule stickler, you can definitely talk it out with your opponent and it'll be just fine. Corner to corner fighting is much more fun. And in fact, there's there's a lot of things in the 6th edition book that I recommend even the older 5th edition players. Just, just factor in everything that's not the magic and magic item system. And you basically have a just a good FAQ for the 5th edition rulebook. Uh, personally, I even go as far as just using 7th... So I would use the 7th edition rules in order to correct some you know, fiddly problems with the system, but then still play with the fun magic items and, so, and, and sometimes goofy rules of the 5th edition army books. Uh, now, in 6th edition... This is for flying models Uh, you can ignore obstacle attack uh, penalties if you fly Uh, however that stipulation is absent in fifth so if you attack models over a wall even though you're technically flying you still have to suffer the penalties uh, in kind of rules as written i kind of like this i kind of like six giving you that image of them just harpies flapping over the wall and being more effective At attacking those particular difficult positions. And in combat. uh, There are no overkill bonuses in 5th edition. Okay, so there's no overkill cap in 5th edition. So that lets your Hero Hammer models go even more ham. If they're not given a proper target. You can get an overkill bonus of 10 perhaps with a with the right kind of crazy lord attacking a a measly champion, so. And in combat, uh, around combat also, uh, panic checks are increased to a full 12 inches if a friendly unit breaks from combat in 5th edition. So things will be breaking much more often uh, if you're not careful in this edition. One thing you have to be careful of, and maybe work with your opponent for, is that uh, in multiple combats, because there's no unit strength, uh, the direction of fleeing can be a little bit unclear. So you may have to uh, just work with your opponent and kind of flee in a reasonable direction. Something that just maybe for 5th edition players, if looking at the 6th edition following up into Fresh Enemy, uh, sixth edition has some ways to uh, kind of measure and, and work out how f- fear and terror will work against those units and give you a, a nice order and method of executing the rules. Another very important rule in that comes up is in fifth edition, there is no overrun. So if you completely murder a unit, uh, you on the first turn you will not be able to follow through. Uh, this can make speed bump tactics very effective. I think it, we might you might have heard uh, the dwarf players talking about using dwarf slayers just as speed bumps in order to guarantee charges for your other units, because even if they're completely wiped out, you, there's no way for the enemy to come into you. Now, in fifth edition, there's also a psychology issue: is if you lose your general in fifth edition, your entire army will need to take a panic test. Uh, I've had this happen, and just my entire empire army just run off the board. Uh, even with elves, it's been it's been brutal at times. So definitely be very, very careful with your general. Uh, in fifth edition, there's there's no panic for Units that are wiped out with shooting next to you the fifth edition terror bubble is a little bit larger at eight inches and in Fifth edition stupidity has a lot more granularity to it Uh, You May still uh, you might stay still or move forward but uh, In six you was always moving forward Uh, frenzy is quite different Uh, In fifth edition your attacks double fully. Uh, It's not just plus one uh, also, you're only immune to psychology while in charge range in 5th edition. Also, frenzied characters have a very interesting uh, rule, because you you double your attacks. If you have a hero doubling from 3 attacks to 6 attacks, plus maybe an additional hand weapon, or, or other items inclu- included, what you have to do is at the end of it to see if your character can avoid exhaustion. You have to roll 2d6, and if you roll equal to or under that amount the amount of attacks you made, uh, then you have your base attacks reduced by one. Uh, you can only ever be reduced to one attack, but it's it's very it's very easy for, uh, say a witch elf, hero that's near the cauldron of blood to be swinging nine or ten times and she will almost always get exhausted after uh, after the first attack and then be brought down to six attacks plus one for additional weapon so uh it's pretty it's pretty important for balancing out that insane number of attacks that can be thrown out though uh when it came to hatred uh there was also a major difference uh so not only do you reroll attacks, uh, but you must pursue. And when you take break tests, if you're fighting a hated mo- hated enemy, you have an unmodifiable ten when taking those tests. Uh, it's one of the it's one of my f- least favorite rules to see in fifth edition. I, never really played an army with hatred and it's it was always just so hard to get around that you you can get stuck in with anything for the for for way too long and end up getting flank charged because uh this one unit will not will not budge for a rule that's sometimes it doesn't feel like they even paid for it's a little bit different from uh stubborn in sixth edition where you could always kind of feel that that was the unit's role. Uh, speaking of which, stubborn is gone. There is just no stubborn rule. And now for a little bit about weapons. So in 6th edition, double-handed weapons could charge and, sh- and still strike first. The charge rules overrode the always-strike-last rules. In 5th edition, that's not the case. In 5th edition, it has double-handed weapons as always striking last no matter what. Uh, pistols were a little bit different, uh, both with a slightly different range and uh melee ability that had them keep working. In 5th edition, characters may not march when there's an enemy within 8, within eight inches. And there's also no provision for uh, a 360 line-of-degree uh, line sight when those characters are on foot. When you're being shot at, if you have a character in a unit, and there's less than five models. Uh, you have to randomize fully. It doesn't spread across like it like it did in six. What you end up having is uh, you. If you have five five models left, four are the unit, one is the character. You'll roll your dice, uh, assign a one, a one, two, three, four, five, six for all those models. And then say your character would only be the five. Uh, so I've had shots come at me in fifth edition, uh, where the volley almost all hit my my general, and actually killed the general that way, in a very uh, unfortunate streak of luck uh, of luck against me. All right, into skirmish units involving characters. Uh, so if you have a skirmish unit with a character in it, uh, they do not. Receive the character's leadership. They also do not receive the general's leadership, or nor can they use battle standard bearer rerolls for break tests. If you have a character in the unit and you have lookout, sir, uh, it's a little bit backwards in fifth edition, so make sure. If if you are rolling and you expect it to be a a one, and you do, and you get hit by the cannonball. In fifth edition, actually you roll, and if you get a six, you get hit by the cannonball. So just just make sure before you roll if you're that you and your opponent have the same expectation of what you're rolling for. If you have a battle center bearer with your unit, and the unit also has a standard, the battle center and standard can stack in fifth edition, so you can get a plus two just from banners. In sixth edition, musicians can, used to allow you to, can allow you to rally, but in fifth edition, they don't have any uh, rallying. Uh, Rallying aid ability. When you add character champions to units, they're purchased in the character section. They're not part of the uh, unit selection like they are in the fifth ed- in the sixth edition army books. The monster chart is uh, much more granular. So if you lo- if you lose your rider, you'll want to consult a chart. There's a much more uh, detailed and varied set of responses that the beast might have. Uh, also, bound monsters so say monsters like the dark elf hydra uh, they're much harder to control than they are in in later editions and there's also a lot more of them almost every army can take some monsters at the back of the book uh, however all of those monsters will need a leadership check just to do what you want them to do during the during the ga- that turn they can't use the general's leadership during that role and there's a high chance that they'll just book it and leave the board uh, if you just don't keep passing those saves, uh, those leadership checks. Uh, So Bound monsters are just not very safe to use. Uh, I have used them a little bit. But all with... Dark Elves, where the Hydra has, a, has Leadership 8, it's a little bit easier, and the Manticore that takes checks, even if there's a rider on it, because they're just uh, angry, angry little, I don't know, lion bats. Uh, so, I guess, on things with wings. The flying movement is 24 inches in this, not 20. So, in 5th edition, Flying units will be going, charging a little bit faster than what you might be used to. Uh, also, flying units are not automatically skirmishers. They they could be in certain cases, but uh, many of them will be ranking up with no ability to, to break into skirmish formation. Uh, if a flyer unit loses but passes a break test, they will still end up fleeing. Uh, the there's no pursuit it's called the driven off rule and so that you may need to give a good read in some cases but uh, it's a a very interesting rule and this probably even include your characters on dragons Uh, if you just couldn't do enough wounds but of course your general has a high enough leadership to pass a break check Uh, he'll he'll fly off really quick Uh, although I do not believe that he breaks he just falls back into a safe position, unwilling to get stuck in. Onto a new unit type we have chariots. So, uh, chariots had really big changes between uh, the two editions. In fifth, they're uh, much more resilient and they don't explode to high strength weapons. Uh, in fifth, you they're, they're not one stat block. You randomize shooting and melee between the chariot body, the crew, and the beasts. Uh, And both melee and shooting are on slightly different tables, so you'll have to check. Uh, This can also lead to crazy things happening, like the riders being killed, and then, or the charioteers being killed, and then the chariot careening off into an unknown direction. Or the cherry can just stop dead, and then the cherry tears can dismount. Another large target classification for shooting is war machines. So even your stone throwers and repeater ball throwers uh, will technically probably count as a 10-foot wide or 10-foot tall target. And uh, they're specifically labeled in the shooting section, so your crew and war machines are a little bit more vulnerable. Uh, to basic shooting in this edition the stone thrower is a little less effective uh, in that you have to cut co- you have to fully cover models in order to in order to get you have to cover more than half of the model in order to get a chance to roll a four plus to hit them the one getting is that the strength is a little bit higher uh, the model directly under is hit automatically though When it comes to cannons, the regular cannon is uh, D4 wounds, not D3. When you have a bolt thrower, the single shot is only strength 5 in this edition. Uh, But it does do D4 wounds, not D3. Also, repeater bolt throwers are a bit nastier at times in this edition. With even the repeating shots, shooting 4 shots, ignoring armor, also piercing ranks, ignoring armor, all the way through. Demon animosity is... In the main rulebook in fifth edition, uh, as well as the ability to challenge greater demons. Uh, of course, that magic is vastly different, so we're not even going to touch on it here. Now, one of the main reasons, one of the main things you always have to check whenever, you, whenever you look at each different edition, say if your group plays all sorts of different things is definitely skirmishers. The skirmish you model the skirmish rules are one of the only things that probably change in every single edition. Uh, that and Fast Cavalry. And both of them are such an important part of fantasy to me. That's where you really can maneuver and kind of outsmart your opponent. So I, I always try to get these as correct as possible whenever I'm playing any particular edition. Uh, so in 5th edition... Skirmishers can spread up to two inches, so your formations can get quite wide. And if you have a musician, you can actually form up into a full... into a ranked unit. Now, because you also have the two inches of space, you can actually shoot and see through. all uh, Through your... Through the gaps in between models. In 6th edition, it was almost like having a block in front of you. A weird cloud of... Of models that you couldn't shoot through Uh, the fifth edition skirmishes are also a little bit strange in that you can be engaged uh, but since the the models don't suck in to fight there's a chance that they could be in the unit can be in a combat but not everyone is engaged now so that mean the what they allow you to do is the models that are not engaged can actually shoot and behave more or less normally they have to endeavor to get into combat as quickly as possible uh, but sometimes they might be floating around in the back on a turn where you didn't charge and during your action you can actually take pot shots while you're waiting to get into combat you, and, like I said, you can form up into a block with a musician. You can also deploy a skirmishing unit in a block formation. And then you can break them into a skirmish formation at any time, just by moving out of a, a, a standard regimental square. Now, because you don't kind of suck into combat, uh, a skirmish unit is actually a pretty heavy screen against... Certain are certain enemy units that focus on doing wounds in order to kill you. You could easily hit a skirmisher, and then you turn to a line on it. Maybe you'll touch one more, one more skirmisher model, but maybe maybe not even. And so you might be fighting again with just two or maybe max three of your models against this one skirmisher. And if you don't cause enough wounds, you may not actually cause enough to break the unit or to cause a, a, a bad enough check. So this has it has quite a lot of consequences when controlling your enemy. You can also run the skirmishers up to uh, within an inch of an enemy, turn them turn at just an awkward position, and uh, the unit might not even want to charge to get rid of you at that point because their, per- their pursuit would take them kind of intuition.
0: Right.
3: So that's all <clears throat> That's all my notes. I just wanted to keep this short and sweet anyway because I, I feel like it's a little bit dry what, we, what we're what we going over. But I just wanted it to be like a, something that might help spark your memory that, oh, I have to go look at this or I have to double check and make sure that I'm not making an assumption that my opponent uh, has a different idea about. All right. So thank you very much. And here, we're getting into 2021 now. But here, let's play Warhammer like it's 1997. All right. All right. Have a good day. Thank you.